justice or peace. The parasha of Yitro, which contains the account of the greatest divine revelation in history at Mount Sinai, begins on a note that is human, all too human. Yitro, priest of Midian, has come to see how his son-in-law Moses and the people he leads are faring. It begins by telling us what Yitro heard, the details of the Exodus and its attendant miracles, and then it goes on to describe what Yitro saw, and this gave him cause for concern. He saw Moses leading the people alone. The result was bad for Moses and bad for the people. This is what Yitro said. Moses' father-in-law said, What you are doing is not good. You and these people who come to you will wear yourselves out. The work is too heavy for you. You can't handle it alone. Listen now to me and I will give you advice and may God be with you. You must be the people's representative before God and bring their disputes to him. Teach them the decrees and laws and show them the way to live and the duties there to perform. But select capable men from all the people, men who fear God, trustworthy men who hate dishonest gain, and appoint them as officials over thousands, hundreds, fifties and tens. Have them serve as judges for the people at all times, but have them bring every difficult case to you, the simple cases they can decide themselves. That will make your load lighter because they will share it with you. If you do this, and God so commands, you will be able to stand the strain, and so too all all these people will reach their place in peace. Moses, said Ritro, must learn to delegate and share the burden of leadership. Interestingly, the sentence, what you are doing is not good, lotov, is one of only two places in the Torah where the phrase lotov, not good, occurs. The other, in the second chapter of Genesis, is lotov heyotah dam lavado, it is not good for man to be alone. We cannot lead alone, we cannot live alone. That is one of the axioms of biblical anthropology. The Hebrew word for life, chaim, is in the plural, as if to signify that life is essentially shared. Dean Inge once defined religion as what an individual does with his own solitude. Now that is not a Jewish thought. However, it was the great 19th century scholar, the Nitziv of Naftalitz for Yehuda Berlin, who made an unexpected, even counterintuitive observation on this passage in our parsha. He begins by raising the following question. It's easy to understand how Yitro's advice helped Moses. The work was too much. He was becoming exhausted. He needed help. What's less easy to understand is his final comment, which is, if, with God's permission, you delegate, so too all these people will reach their place in peace. But the people weren't exhausted. Moses was. How then would they gain by a system of delegation? Their case would still be heard, but not by Moses. How was this to their advantage? The Nitziv begins by quoting the Gemara in Sadhedrin, page 6a, and the passage is about what the sages called Bitsua, or what later became known as Pshara, compromise. This is a decision on the part of the judge in a civil case to seek a solution based on equity rather than strict application of the law. It's not wholly unlike mediation, in which the parties agree to a resolution, 
that they both consider fair regardless of whether or not it is based on statute or precedent. From a different perspective, it's a mode of conflict resolution in which both sides gain rather than the pure administration of justice in which one side wins and the other loses. So the Talmud asks, is this good or bad? Is compromise to be adopted or avoided? This is part of the Talmudic debate. Rabbi Eliezer, son of Rabbi Yosef Haglili, said it is forbidden to mediate. Instead, let the law pierce the mountain. Yikov hadin et which is roughly the equivalent of saying, let the chips fall where they may. And that was Moses' motto, let the law pierce the mountain. Aaron, however, loved peace and pursued peace and made peace between people. Rabbi Yehuda ben Kocha says, it is good to mediate because it is written, execute the justice of truth and peace in your gates. And the Gemara says, surely where there's strict justice, there is no peace. And when there is peace, there is no strict justice. So what then is the justice that coexists with peace? We have to say mediation, pshara. And the law follows Rabbi Yehuda ben Korcha. It is permitted, even preferable to mediate but with one proviso, that the judge does not yet know who is right and who is wrong. It is precisely this uncertainty at the early stages of a hearing that allows an equitable resolution to be favoured over a strictly legal one. If the judge has already reached a clear verdict, it would be a suppression of justice on his part to favour a compromise solution. Now, ingeniously applying this principle to the Israelites in Moses' day, the Natsiv points out that, as the Talmud says, Moses preferred strict justice to peace. He wasn't a man to compromise or mediate. In addition, as the greatest of the prophets, he knew almost instantly which of the parties before him was innocent and which guilty, who had right on his side and who did not. It was therefore impossible for him to mediate, since it is only permitted before the judge has reached a verdict, which in Moses' case was almost immediately. Hence the Natsiv's remarkable conclusion. By delegating the judicial function downward, Moses would bring ordinary people, people with no special prophetic or legal gifts, into the seats of judgment precisely because they lacked Moses' intuitive knowledge of law and justice, they were able to propose equitable solutions, and an equitable solution is one in which both sides feel that they have been heard, they both gain, they both believe the result is fair. And that, as the Talmud says, is the only kind of justice that at the same time creates peace. That says the Natsiv, is why the delegation of justice would not only help Moses to avoid total exhaustion, it would also help all these people to reach their place in peace. What a profound idea this is. Moses was the Ish HaElokim, the supreme man of God. Yet there was, the Natsiv implies, one thing he couldn't do, which others, less great in every respect, could achieve. They could bring peace between contending parties. 
they could create non-violent, non-coercive forms of conflict resolution. Not knowing the law with the depth that Moses did and not having his intuitive sense of truth, they had instead to exercise patience. They had to listen to both sides. They had to arrive at an equitable verdict that both parties could see as fair. A mediator has different gifts from a prophet or a liberator or a lawgiver, more modest perhaps, but sometimes no less necessary. It's not that one character type is to be preferred to another. No one, certainly not the Nitziv, regarded Moses as anything less than the greatest leader and prophet Israel has ever had. It is rather that no one individual can embody all the virtues necessary to sustain a people. A priest is not a prophet, although a few like Shmuel and Yechezkel were both a king needs different virtues than a saint. A military leader is not, though in later life he can become, a man of peace. What emerges at the end of the train of thought the Nitziv sets in motion is the deep significance of the idea that we can neither live nor lead alone. Judaism is not so much a faith transacted in the privacy of the believer's soul, it is a social faith. It is about networks of relationship. It is about families, communities, and ultimately a nation in which each of us, great or small, has a role to play. As Ben-Azai said, despise no one and disdain nothing, for there is no one who does not have his hour and nothing that does not have its place. There was something Ordinary individuals, heads of thousands, hundreds, and tens, could achieve that even Moses in all his glory could not achieve. That is why a nation is greater than any individual and why each of us has something to give. Shabbat Shalom.